Okay, good morning everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem will be learning Daf Nun Aleph in Maseches Psachim. We will begin in the two dots, two lines up from the bottom of Nun Amabez. If you can sense that I'm in buoyant spirits, it's because Andrew is not here. No, it's, Andrew is here on Zoom with us. Uh, he's in a uh, semi-quarantine. And Yaakov Litke, the legend, is here, which Andrew has referred to as a Hanukkah miracle. Everyone has de-iced their cars. And also because we started yesterday a parak called Makom Shinagu. Parak Makom Shinagu is fascinating. It's about Minhagim. Because there was a Minhag that we started yesterday. It's on the bottom of Nunamad Aleph. There was a Minhag that they had um, to stop doing Malacha right after Chatzos on Erev Pesach. And based off of that, we start talking about different Minhagim, the power of Minhag. I was uh, fascinated by the art school introduction about the, uh, it, it, it's, it's worthwhile to read, it's pretty short. And it talks about the different Minhagim and what Chazal have to say. You know, Rav Herschel Shechter used to say that you, you shouldn't have Minhag Shtus, um, Minhag Oisios Gehenim, right? It's the same letters. You know, if, if, if you have a minhag shtos, one of the minhagim that Klal Yisrael has is that we're not morons. You know what I'm saying? Like we do, uh, we're not, we're not chalila pagans. We're not, uh, we do things um, with purpose. So there's a balance. In other words, certainly keeping uh, the, the, the customs are, is very, very important, as we see. This is, in fact, the topic of our makam uh, shenagu. Um, and besides that, and again, it's a very, very, very important matter. The Rambam says, um, and, and you'll see, you'll see in, in the introduction, some, some people say that keeping the, uh, the minhagim is certainly alluded to, if not mentioned exactly, Daraisa. Okay. So be that as it may, we're going to get into different minhagim. And we're going to see that this concept of we have to have this balance. Sometimes we had to keep the minhagim stronger, and sometimes, uh, and sometimes we said that we didn't have to keep the minhag. And without further ado, we're going to get into the details now. Okay. So now says the Gemara, two lines up in the two dots. So you see this, this idea of minhagim. If the minhagim was so far off base, so then they were not considered something that we should keep. So the, the people in Chaza were kind of Amaratim. They didn't know the Halacha. We'll see the word Amaratz here. Uh, we, we saw the word Amaratz on Shabbos. All the Gemaras about marrying your daughter, Tamachacham Amaratz, and all the different uh, fates of the Amaratz. Okay. So the Bnei Chaza were not very learned. And they used to be Mafreshchala on rice bread. Now, really, you only have to be Mafreshchala on something which is from Chamesh Asmine Dagon. But so they erroneously would be Mafreshchala from rice. So also for Amulei the Rabbi Yosef, so some people mentioned it to Rabbi Yosef. Amar lahu nechle zar He said, okay, let them, let, let somebody, a stranger, who's going to be a stranger over here, a non-Kohen, right? Because the non-Kohen, Azar, right, is what? Is allowed to eat challah. The challah that you separate, you're supposed to give to the Kohen. So he says, we should actually make a demonstration here. We should bring somebody that everybody knows is not a Kohen, you should have Yaakov Litki go over there to Chazai and start eating that challah in order to demonstrate to them that this is an erroneous practice, being uh, mafresh challah on rice bread. Okay. 
Now, Eitzve Abaye, Abaye said to Rabbi Yosef, why are you doing this? Tvarim HaMutarim, Barcheim, Naguba Em Iser. We know that when something, as we arrive in the Aleph, Amad Aleph, we know that whenever there's a practice, okay, uh, as we had said before, whenever there's something that really would be mutter, but there was a minhag that developed to be, I don't want to say machmir, right, because it's an erroneous chumrah, right, but there's a minhag to be, that developed to not do it, right? This is a perfect example uh, where you don't have to be mafreshchal on rice bread, but they did. When that minhag develops, even though it's mutter, i atara shaylatiran bifneham, right? We have a brisa that says, right, that you can't nullify one of these minhagim in front of them. Okay, well, if that's the case, then why are we nullifying this, uh, this uh, minhag of being mafresh on the rice bread? Okay, so Amar lo, so Yosef answered to Abayi, v'lav mi itmar Allah, Amar of chista b'chusai, right? Rabbi Yosef said, no, we said, regarding that brisa, that that was referring to the kusim. You are going to have fun today, Goranowitz. We have a great crew, and we're learning about Menhagen. So we're talking about the Kusim. What's the idea with the Kusim? So as we know, right, the Kusim were Geri Arias. They were, uh, they were in a group of Goyim that made um, a dubious, right, kind of Geris, right? They converted because they were, they were fearful. They converted at, a, at an unusual time in history where it was preferable to be a Jew uh, for safety reasons. And so their conversion was not considered necessarily genuine. And their keeping of halachos, there's a whole history to them, and their keeping of halachos were not considered to be meticulous. Now, they said that certain things that they did keep and the things that they did keep, maybe they kept uh, meticulously. Um, so another part of the history of the Kusim that we're learning about here was that when they had minhagim, and the minhagim made them be machmir on certain things that weren't even lahalacha, we didn't relax those minhagim. So this whole brisa of saying that we don't relax minhagim is referring to the kusim. The brisa of saying that when you have an erroneous minhag, you shouldn't be mevatel, that erroneous minhag is referring to the kusim. They're not, they're the ones that's supposed to, uh, not, that, that's supposed to not relax any of the precautions because once you relax precautions with them, they don't differentiate that well between a real minhag and a fake minhag and they're, st- they're going to start being lax in everything. So anything that they took on, just let them keep. Anything that they co- took on as a, what we will call a chumrah, we make them keep. So that is referring to the kusim. But the, right, but the b'nei chozai, they were not kusim. They were full-fledged, right? They were not converts. They were full-fledged original FBBs, uh, FFBs rather, but, uh, but as it turns out, they were also not necessarily, right, very learned. So that ends up being Abaye's response. Says Abaye, right, to Yosef, Kusai Mai Taima. What is the reason why we don't relax any of the minhagim of the Kusim, even if they were, uh, those chumras were erroneous? Mishum de Mesarchem Ilsa. Right, because they are going to confuse issues. It sounds like it's masriach, right? Like their 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 uh, svaras stink. In other words, right? But that's not really what it means. It means that they're going to be wrong, right? They don't have the ability, as we said, to discern between a real minhag and a fake minhag, and therefore we should just across the board never relax anything for them. So says right. So says Abaye Hanach in Shinami. 
this, these residents of the city of Chuzai also, they were not learned in Sarchei Milsa. They're also going to make confusing, uh, they're going to be confused. And therefore, we should, if they have a custom of being mafish challah and rice bread, right, so we shouldn't make a demonstration out of telling them that it's not good. Because again, the concern is, so then they'll stop eating mafish challah on wheat, right? They, they don't know, they don't understand enough that we could start telling them, oh no, that minog is not, is, it should, does not have to be enforced. Okay. So now, El Amar Ravashi, so what should you do with these people, Chuzai? They had a minhag, it was an erroneous minhag, and you want them to, and, and, and you want to alert them to it, but you also know that they don't have the um, learning capacity to be able to handle it properly. So let's see. Says Ravashi, Chazina, let's see. If most of them, right, what kind of bread is usually sold in the bakeries of Chuzai? So if most of the bread that's sold there is rice bread, then you know what? Don't mess with it. Just let them be mafresh chal on rice because it's going to be very, very prevalent and therefore it really will confuse them if you stop being mafresh chal on rice, even though you don't have to. Why? Again, as the Gemara says, because if you, if you stop being mafresh chal on rice, uh, since most of the bread in those bakeries is rice bread, then they're going to stop being mafresh chal altogether. Right? They're going to stop the learning, they're going to forget the halacha of Afarshah's chala. The e ruban dagan However, if most of the chalas in the bakeries are real chala, right, are actual chameshah's mirei dagan chala, then nechle zarba apayu. So in that situation, maybe it would be, uh, make sense, right, to have somebody, a zar, go and eat this, uh, rice chala from, in order to teach them. Dilma asila frushim and achiyovaloptor. Right, because otherwise, right, they're going to be mafresh, right, chala from that which has to be have to have chala on behalf of that which is pater from chala uminaptur alachiv. In other words, they're going to what? They're going to be confused because maybe they're going to right. If you have right mostly regular chala, so then maybe they're going to have a lot of rice chala in there, and maybe they're going to think that by being mafresh on the rice challah, they're actually exempting the real challah. That would be a real problem, right? Because as we know, as we learned uh, last week, you can be mafresh challah, right, from a separate challah. You have a batch, maybe, maybe it's mitzarif in a basket, right? And you have all the doughs mitzarif in the basket. We had a conundrum last week. We said, what, how, are you, how are you ever mafresh challah on matzah? Because when you bake matzah, Right, there's a minimum, sh- when you make ma- challah, there's a min- minimum shear that's going to be mechaivi and challah, right? And when you bake matzah, there's a maximum shear that you can safely bake where it's going to be machmetz, right? Be- okay, and that, we said, might be the same exact point, might be the same exact threshold. So every time you have enough dough to be mafresh challah, you're in danger of handling too much dough that, it, that you can't make the matzahs. So how do you ever mafresh challah and matzahs? We said that, that we say la lacha is we can bake all the matzahs and take it off after. They're all in a basket. So what if you have, very commonly, rice bread and they think you can be mafresh challah and rice bread and, but you have one challah of rice bread in a basket of 20 challahs. The rest of them are all wheat challahs. And if you think erroneously that you can be mafresh challah and rice bread, it's like a chumra that's a kula. You're going to be mafresh challah and the rice bread on all of the chalas, you're going to end up that you weren't mafresh chala. Ah, so for there, you really do have to make that demonstration. In, okay. However, again, 
if all of their eating is rice bread anyway, so then we don't care. You don't have to be mafresh chala. I mean, let them be mafresh chala because you're not going to be, right, uh, you, you don't have the mafresh chala problem anyways. Okay. Interesting, right? So we see this is like we're handling the halachas here based on whatever we think the minog is, really based on the mitzias, right? You have the postkim here in real time. Okay, so now nine lines down on Aleph and Aleph. As you're saying, it's a bracha levatala when you're mafresh chala, even if it was only rice bread, why are you allowing them to make a bracha levatala? That was what the Rambam was saying in that introduction to the art scroll. You can make a bracha on a, you can make a bracha on minhagim. It's unbelievable. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, uh, in a, in, to address your question. Wow. It's amazing, right? Indeed, some commentators argue that the blessing should be recited before the, pers- the performance of some minhagim because they have the force of laws. See Tosos and Sukkah and Brachos. And, um, and I refer, you know, homework for Barry. Barry, there's a lengthy discourse on this in the pre Chadish to Orchaim, 468 and 496. And also, um, and, and, uh, and Garano, at some putting you in charge of your day at 214. Okay, and get back to me. But that was an excellent uh, point. So there are, in fact, some who say that you make brachos. Ketosos uh, says you can make a bracha on a minhag. Amazing. Halal on Rosh Chodesh. is a great example of, of right, when you have chazi hal, what we call chazi halal. So you're saying that's a minhag more than an actual chiv halal, and we make a bracha. Halakas Neiros and Shul. Yeah, so brachos. We keep the tzura of a mitzvah, right? In other words, the minhag has the, has the, the anatomy of a mitzvah. So it wouldn't have the anatomy of a mitzvah without the bracha in many contexts. Uh, that's a, this is good, right? So, um, yeah, so, 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 right. So we have minhagim that we say, that we say the bracha on it. There are, there are a lot of areas, right? We have the machogas by women. Asher kichonim mitzvah sivanu. Right, but, but in a case where it's not a chiyuv, so they weren't matzuva, but some, right, Svaridim will say uh, in certain cases that they do make a bracha, etc. Uh, fascinating. A fascinating topic over here of how minhagim uh, infiltrate actual halacha, and yeah, the, one of the big implications would be do we make a bracha on it? Okay, so now, now, gufa. Okay, so let's say again. Something where you didn't have to do it, but other people did it. Iser, acherim nargabem iser. I ata rasha lahatirim bifnehem. Amar b'chista bechusai askinon. So right. So let's get into this idea of whether bechusai askinon. Says the Gemara. Bechule alma lo. Is it really true that it's only going to be the kusim that we don't write that we're not allowed to um, to, to show them that it's an erroneous minhag? Vehatanya. Rochatzin, so now we're going to have three examples, three cases. Apparently, Rabban Gamliel, right, who was obviously a big gadol in the Gullahs, had children who were, who, and you know how it is with rabbis' kids. They always have, everyone's, the community is looking at them, and they're always going to be judged extra stringently here, and sometimes ridiculed. It, it, uh, it becomes a big stress sometimes. So, what was the case? As follows. Vatanya, we learned the Brysa. Now, this I can't I can't exactly explain to you what's what's going on here, uh, other than to say that in those days there was um, 
right? If you, if you were in a bathhouse together, so there was some sort of chashash, right? We'll see. There was some sort of chashash that there would be like um, some erotic activity or something going on. So they said that two brothers, however, could be together. But in the city of Kabul, they didn't let two brothers bathe together. So here we go. Gamaliel had two sons, Yehuda and Hillel. Right? Obviously, they were brothers, and they were in Kabul. And but they knew, right, that two brothers are allowed to bathe together, right? Because they were the rabbi's sons. So you're talking about like you know, right? You're talking about people on shlichos, the kiruv. Uh, rabbi Gamaliel was, you know, like in a community. He was doing like kiruv. Uh, we should say this, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say. Um, there's, there's a very famous Rav who was a very, very big Tamachacham who recently passed and he was in one of our communities in, um, in Long Island that was amazing and he was really above any, any community that he would be. But the point is, um, and, and, no, and, you know, when, when, uh, when we went out to this community, it was practically a midbar to introduce a mikvah into that community or in a kosher pizza shop. And all the essentials of a Jewish community was a big deal, you know, 40 years ago when he arrived, almost 40 years ago. Anyway, so 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 in the early days, they knew that they can go to the bathhouse together. Right? Right? The whole city was criticizing them. They were making fun of them. They, They became aware of it. Now, right? The joke's on the city. The halacha is that they're brothers and they're allowed to wash together. But the fact is that there was a chumrah in that city that they didn't allow it because they were, right? Because they were amaratzim. So everybody's making fun of these brothers. So amru mi amenu lo ra'inu kach. we never, did you ever even see such a thing? You know, who sees such a thing? Two brothers showering together, right? Of course, it's just their ignorance that's causing them to, right, to, to ridicule these rabbis' sons. Anyway, v'nishmat hilo v'yatzal v'yatzal and hilo, you know, Upon hearing the criticism, uh, ran away, right, right? He slipped away. Right? He didn't go through the trouble of explaining to them that really it was mutter. So we see, even though the members of the community of Kabul were not, right, kusim, uh, Hillel was still, right, apprehensive about, about explaining to them that really they were the ones that were wrong and reprimanding him. He just let it go. He just said, fine. And, and, and he, uh, absorbed the ridicule, okay, and he went on, okay. Okay, so we see, we're gonna have three examples here of where, even though they weren't kusim, uh, they had these erroneous minog, and the, the sons of Gamliel were did not reprimand them, so to speak, or did not, uh, feel it necessary, or maybe felt that it was even, um, um, inappropriate, right, to demonstrate to them that their chumrah was only a chumrah. Let's see another case. Yosem be on b'shabes. That's why I'm wearing Crocs today. Kur dekison Crocs, loose fitting shoes on Shabbos. What's the problem? If you have Crocs and they're loose fitting, you remember from Masechah Shabbos, right? The problem of hotzah. They're going to fall off your feet, and then you're going to end up carrying dal damas to ha rabim. So the halacha is really that Crocs are okay because they're not that loose fitting. We're not that concerned that they're going to fall out. However, ve'ain yotzin be Crocs be if you're in, in the town of Biri, there, the people there, uh, we're not, we're, we are concerned, and therefore over there they used to make the 
what? They used to make the gazera, so to speak, or the, they had the minog, that they wouldn't wear crocs on Shabbos, because uh, over there, the, the concern was, in fact, if the crocs did fall off, that they would carry them, okay? I guess this was a, as, a, a, as many shul rabbis are, I don't really know the history, but maybe he was also itinerant, right? Uh, uh, in going from one community to another. Uh, so anyways, the same two children of Rav Gamliel, they, they wore their crocs on Shabbos in Biri. And again, in that city, everybody laughed at them. Do you ever see such a thing of wearing crocs on Shabbos, loose-fitting shoes? So what do they do? They did the classic thing we know we say in the Gemara, when they had right their servants um, who are not Jewish and they're following them. Uh, they're, they're in their right entourage. And so they said, you know what? Why don't you just carry our shoes? Because we, you know, we don't want to tell these people who are making fun of us that in fact it's a minhug that's erroneous. We'll just let it go and we're not going to reprimand them and demonstrate that it's an erroneous minhug. As the Gemara says, they didn't want to tell them that really it's mutter to wear the crocs. They just left it alone. Fine. That's case number two. Case number three. Rash explains. In other words, they used to have these like boutiques, and the Nachrim would sell their wares on Shabbos, right? The stores were open on Shabbos. Now they used to sit on these benches. So the issue is these benches, right? It, typically, if you're sitting on it, so maybe somebody would be kosher, so you're actually, your store is open on Shabbos. Now, in a firm community, nobody would be kosher for that. If you, they would understand that you're just going on a Shabbos walk and you're sitting on a bench, right? Um, and so, however, if you're on a, in the city of Akko, right, the port city of Akko, then, then in that city, people were really unaware and there were people who unfortunately had their stores open on Shabbos so that if you sat, there would be this Marasayan issue. There would be this impression that you're sitting and you're selling your stuff on Shabbos and therefore in Akko, they asserted, they had a gazera, right, a minhag, that they would not sit on those benches on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, Ben Yoshua, Safsali, Nachem, B'Shabbos, Ba'ako. Okay. Ma'isabir, Mshimim, Gamliel, Shiyoz, of Safsali, Nachem, B'Shabbos, Ba'ako. So this was not Hillel or Yuda, but it was Shimon, also the son of Gamliel. He sat on the bench in Ako. The laws of love called Medina, and everybody in Ako was making fun of him. Amrar, Amrami, Amenu, Lora, Inukach, right? Same dialogue. They said, we never, you ever see such a thing? The rabbi's son was sitting on the bench in Ako. Nishmat al-gabe karka So he slowly uh, said nothing to see here and slipped slowly onto the ground and said and didn't want to right alert them to the fact that in fact it was mutter meikar aden and it was just a minug because they're uh, because they're ignorant anyway. So that is what they did. The children of Reuven Gamliel they in fact would always um, just avoid telling them. That in fact that these were all chumras because they were out of town communities that didn't really understand halacha. They let uh, they absorbed right the ridicule rather than tell them that there was a minhag shtus to begin with. So the Gemara says, well, I understand those stories. However, bnei medinas hayam nami kevan de loshchichi rabbanon gabayu kikhusim damu. Right, that if you're talking about out of town. Right, Medina Sayyam, there's no Rabbanim there, nobody's gonna teach them, they're ignorant people. So because they're ignorant people, you could treat them like the Kusim, in the sense, right, that they too, they don't, they don't have the, they don't have the, unfortunately, they don't yet have the Torah knowledge to discern, right, what is, and what is an important Minog, what isn't an important Minog, and it just shows you, right, the brilliance of Chazal over here, that they're, 
they're allowing them to keep minhagim, knowing that if you don't, if you if you sit and you say, if you take one minhag and you say, hey guys, you know that this minhag was really an erroneous minhag, so then they're not going to have the ability to discern between that and some of the legitimate minhagim. And so just leave the minhag as it is. Wow. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to analyze a little bit some of these, um, some of these um, three examples. Says the Gemara, Well, I can understand why you would have the minhag of not sitting on Safsali Nachrim, because you could at least logically understand that it looks like you're selling from those kiosks. I can understand the crocs uh, halacha because maybe they're going to fall and then you're going to carry them why, why would two brothers what would be the chumrah not letting two brothers right bathe together so the Gemara answers the Bryce says like this you can really bathe with everyone now, this is the part I really didn't understand. You can really bathe with everyone. These are the people you can't bathe with. Your father, your father-in-law, or uh, your... your, fa- your so, so, some people say this, this gift doesn't, doesn't exist. Rashi doesn't address it. The point is, uh, right? your mother's husband and your brother-in-law, your sister's husband. Those people you can't bathe with. Rashi explains why you wouldn't be able to. Uh, so this is obviously culturally, I don't think that this is um, the same today as it was then, but, but it was presumed to be more problematic to bathe with those family members um, in those days, okay? And says the Gemara, din imo, right? And your mother's husband, asu inhu. And so the people in Kabul at that point came up and they said, the Gezeira of two brothers, so really the flow of the Gemara is here, here is, who would, he, who would ever assume that there would be an issue of two brothers bathing together? And the answer is, well, since we know that there's an issue with, the, with bathing with your brother-in-law, they made a Gezeira, right? Atu Mishum Balachoso. That because it's us, sir, to bathe with your brother-in-law, you might be confused if you bathe with your brother. The issue is not to bathe with your brother. The issue is that if you bathe with your brother, you might think that's the same as bathing with your brother-in-law, and that would be a problem. And therefore, they made a gazera that should, people shouldn't bathe with their brother. Okay? And similarly, Tana, we learned in the Talmud, lo yurchatzim rabo, that a Rebbe and a Talmud shouldn't bathe together. Rim rabo, tzarech lo mutter. But if his teacher, right, needs him, so then you can, meaning, as Rashi says, uh, if, if you have, let's say, Right, remember uh, Rav David Lifshitz Asal in YU. When 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 I was there, he was still there. He was the Rebbe of Suvalk. He was my my grandmother's uh, Rav in Suvalk, and he looked like he was 190 years old. And he always had like a shamish. And so, if you have a shamish and you need help with the with the bathing, etc., so he lo- he was like a malach. That's besides, that's a, a story for a different time. But in any ways, if the Rebbe needs him, so then it's okay. All right. So now we're four lines up from the wide. And we say like this, Kiasa Raba Bar, this is more, more Minhagim Garanoids. Kiasa Raba Bar Barchana. Araba Barchana came to Bavel, right? We know that he was an Eretzisra. So he came to Bavel. And Achal Dai De Aisra. What's the Aisra? So that is, that is eating the straight part of the animal's stomach, the fat. What's going on with the fat? Rashi. Chelev Shibachifa Sakeva. Right, the isra is exactly like this. The keva, right, the stomach of the animal, 
has a curvature to it. Okay, says the Rashi. Shakeva kfufa v'asuya kekeshes. It has a curvature, right, like a bow. V'also chelav shibemakam heter ochlin be'er to Israel, right? Uvnei bavel noagin bo iser. Okay, so in the curved part, that you're not supposed to necessarily eat that. There's a, there's a, if you remember chulin from right before the sea mashas. So there's a there's a part of the chelav that was mutter to eat and a part of the chelav that was usher to eat. In Eretz Yisrael, they actually would eat the mutter part. They weren't concerned that, that somebody would erroneously eat the usher part. In Bavel, they made a blanket gazera. Just don't eat the chelav because we're not we're not sure that you're going to be able to um, right to discern between the usher and the mutter part. So they they just said that all the chelav was off limits, and so the badats of Bavel. So, so the Badats of Eretz Yisrael allowed it, and the Star K, uh, the Star K said, don't, don't touch it. Just don't eat any of the chalif. Okay. So Rabbi Rachana comes to Baltimore, and he's eating the stuff, the Badats chalif. Right? So, ul, so, so what happened was, Ulagabe Ravavira Sava, the Rabbi Bereder of Huna. So one day he's eating this fat, right? This Badats fat, and Ravavira Saba, and Rabbi Ben Ravuna came to visit him. They're seeing him, Eating this fat, but they didn't see him. Why? Because when he saw them coming towards him, right away he put the fat away. But they noticed he, he, he wasn't fast enough. So when they went to Abaye, they said, "This is interesting. We see that right that Rabbi Barbarchana is eating fat here. The, he's eating the the badats fat here in in, in Baltimore." So Abaye said, "Amalu." Yeah. You know what, what, you know what the story was with that? He, he looks at you like you're just like Kutim, right? In other words, he sees Americans. He's, a, he's visiting from Eretz Israel. He's in Baltimore. He sees Rabbi Hopfer and Rabbi Heidemann coming towards him. And he thinks like, oh, these are Goyim, right? These, he thinks like, these, these are Baltimore guys. They don't know Alacha. He's taking the, Right, he's taking the badat stuff and he's hiding because he knows that they don't. They, he couldn't possibly explain it to them. They could never understand because they don't know the difference between right the fat and the. Um, I don't know the difference between the kosher and the non-kosher portions of the fat of the animal. Aha. So now the Gemara says, Rabbi Barachana Yeah, but Rabbi Barachana, right, was in violation, so to speak, of what we said in our mission, which is Nosin alav chumer malkam shiatzim sham v'chumer malkam shalach l'sham. And this is where it becomes very alakalamaisa. In our Mishnah, we said that how do you handle minhagim when you have different places that have chumras? So the answer is just go with the common denominator, meaning the most chumr. So if you're coming for a place where you have a chumra, so then you carry the chumra with you. If you're going to a place that has the chumra, so for example, if you're going from Eretz Israel where they eat the kosher fat, and you're going to Baltimore where the star K just says that you shouldn't eat all, any of the fat, so you should adopt the chumras of the place that you're going to. So what was Rabbi Rachana doing sneaking in his badat's fat? He should have just followed the star K when he was in Baltimore and eaten, right? And just followed their minhagim and not eaten the fat altogether. So the Gemara answers, No, that's only if you're going from Baltimore to Silver Spring or New York. So there, you follow the chumras of whatever that place is. Or similarly, if you're going from Yishalayim to Haifa. Or inami bubble Eretz Israel. Or interestingly enough, if you're going to Israel, right, for the year, so then you should keep the chumras of Eretz Israel. Aval me Eretz Israel above low. But the only time, right, this is how you justify Rabbi Barbarchana's behavior. That if you're coming from Eretz Israel and you're going to Bavel, you don't have to 
keep the chumras of Bavel. Why? Isn't that interesting? Because we here in Galus, we are subordinate, right? We, we, we uh, follow the laws, we defer to the laws of Eretz Yisrael. So if you have a Tamachacham coming from Eretz Yisrael, he gets to follow his own kulas, right? Because we defer to them. And therefore, Avdinan Kavaisai, we allow him, right, to hold like himself in Eretz Yisrael. Why so? Very, very interesting. Right, Rashi spells it out. Yeshnes aminang bebavel einkan machlokes danan kafinon levnei Eretz Yisrael de inhu smichi ubebavel lo smichi. Because in Eretz Yisrael, it's a it, it, those those um, those are greater because they have smicha. Those chachamim are greater. They're smicha. Amazing Tosfos here. Keva danan kafinon lahu. Tosfos asks the Beinu Tam. We we learn in Sanhedrin uh, that we have certain things right in Bavel that are adifi. Right, because over there we said that they're allowed to what rule in monetary matters, and we allowed them to set up, but they didn't in monetary matters. But says Rashi, the tirets, the honey meal, the That's only for money. People in Eretz Yisrael learn in greater number, and so when it comes to mammon, so it's true that that when it comes to mammon, we are allowing you to do that in in Bavel, and perhaps that's an advantage that the Chachamim in Bavel have. But when it comes to Itzur and the concept of smicha, which Rashi mentioned, that is greater in Eretz Yisrael, and finishes with the last line in the Tosvos Kavan over here, the third to last Tosvos. The Amrinan beyond that in Baba Basra Avira Eretz Yisrael Machkim. Beautiful. We said over there that in Eretz Yisrael, anyway, just the air makes you smarter. Uh, that's the literal translation. And so the atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael, that's why you go to Israel for the year. Okay, and so that is why we allowed Rabbi Baruchana to eat his badat's fat in Baltimore. Now, alternatively, Ravashi has another defense. Afil Tamim Eretz Yisrael Bavel, right? So, Hani Mili, Hecha De'ein Daito Lachzor. Aha. He adds another wrinkle that's very Allah right? Even if you're going to say, right, that in Bavel, that if you have, that, that if you come from, let's say, Eretz Israel, you have to start eating star K, uh, and, and therefore not eat any of the fat. That's only if you are coming to settle in Baltimore, right? However, right, if you're just coming to collect money, so then, that's a different case, right? You don't have to follow any of the bubble. You can follow, you can retain your We know historically that Rabbi Barachana was just visiting. And therefore, he was going, he was, he was going back. So we have all of these, all of this actually becomes a lachalamaisa when it comes to, right? Um, sometimes Yom Tavshani, we'll see, we'll see more halachas when it comes to these things, right? What the, uh, what the minhag is. Okay. Now, again. Uh, five lines from the bottom of Nunal Famadalf. Amalei Rabbi Barachana Levne. Regarding this practice of eating the fat. Bni, lo tochal. He said, my son, right? So apparently, at that point, he was in Bavel. He's still in Baltimore and he has a son with him. He says, son, don't just eat the star K. Don't eat my Badat's fat. Why? And I'm not talking about doing this in your hotel or, you know, in your, in your room or even when I'm around. Why? Because I need Sharisi, Rabbi Yochanan, Sha'achal. I, my Rebbe was Rebbe Yochanan, the great sage of Eretz Yisrael. And so I used to watch him eat this badat's fat all the time. And therefore I can eat it. 
Whether I'm with him or not with him, he's my Rebbe, he's always with me, so to speak, and therefore like I can I can adopt that practice of you were not in this year. Unbelievable halacha, right? That when you are when you uh, saw a gadol doing it, so then you can actually do it, but right privately, you don't publicize it. However, right, if you did not have the uh, influence of that gadol, then you're not even allowed to do it in private. This is how you right. This is how you balance the minhagamakom with your own minhagim that you learned. Wow. Okay, now the Gemara is going to point out, however, However, this was an, an internal contradiction of Rabbi Baruchana in his own behavior. Why? Right? That Rabbi Yochanan Lazar told me the following story. One time I was entering a garden uh, behind Rabbi Shimon Yossi in Laconia as we turned to Nun Aleph Amad Beis at 6.15 a.m. And he took Svichim. Uh-oh. This looks like a very manageable small daf, and it is, but we can't get through it without the, without explaining what sfichim are. Does the term sound familiar to you? Sfichim is the vegetables of Shemitah, right? Shemitah year is coming up. Rashi has it in four words. Bishvi'is la'achar zman habir. Our school has four paragraphs to explain what this is. The, 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 the Shvi'is, when you have Shemitah, so how did they eat in Shemitah, right? They weren't allowed to work the land. So first of all, they weren't allowed to work the land, but fruit obviously grows annually. So, right, so you have to deal with the fruit, right? When we, when we dealt with Shemitah in Israel, we did two Shemitah cycles. So, right, you have a separate Shemitah uh, wastebasket. You can't just throw it in the garbage, right? You let it rot first, and then you throw it. You, you treat everything but cover, right? But you, and you can't let it go to waste, etc. But you can eat the fruit, right? The fruits you can eat. And the grain, you can't obviously work the ground, but you can actually preserve it. Preserve's okay, you just have to save it in advance to eat all throughout the year. It's a different thing when you have Yovel after Shemitah, then it's like two years. Um, when they have a three-day Yantav in Eretz Yisrael, they treat it like a Yovel after Shemitah. When they have like two days of Rosh Hashanah and then a Shabbos, everybody's pandemonium. But the point is that vegetables, Sfichim, right, is vegetables essentially. And it depends which kind of vegetable. It's grains, um, seeds rather, that actually sprout. So the problem is they had a gazera on those because those, it would look like you would till the land, right? If you will, if we let you just pick something out of the ground from seeds that sprouted spontaneously, then maybe some people would be, right, uh, pulling some trickery and they would start working the land a little bit, which obviously you, you can't do on Shemitah. And they would say, oh, no, 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 these sprouted spontaneously. So there you have to be more careful with vegetables, what we call Sfichim, right? But that's a gazera, um, right? Because technically Sfichim you can eat. Because again, it's just like fruit, it's, it's spontaneous, in the sense that it's spontaneous. But whereas fruit, you could tell very easily, it's just coming from the tree, those are coming from the ground. So you see the difference between fruit and vegetables. Like Rabbi Shalom Gold says, um, it, uh, like Shalom Gold, the uh, language that says, in Eretz Yisrael, even a cucumber wears a yarmulke, right? Like you have to know the difference between uh, an apple and, uh, and a cucumber and all these vegetables. So what was the issue here? Natal Sfiche Kruva so what, what's Rashi referring to with the Zman beers? So they used to say that at the time they knew the annual cycle of when certain vegetables were no longer going to be sprouting. So at that point, if it wouldn't sprout on its own, you have to burn it out of your house. You have to take it out of your house or burn it out of your house. And the, uh, however, Kruv, cabbage, was able to sprout all year long. So let, let's see what's going on here. Right? So the Achar Zman beer means like if you're eating, let's say Zman beer for cucumber is March. 
If we see you eating a cucumber in June, we know that that was not Sfichim. You're not supposed to eat cucumber past that point in the year. Fascinating, right? Because it would never grow naturally. So we see that he himself ate the Sfichim of Kruv after the Zman beer. And he gave me some to eat. And he said, Eat, eat, eat. Ask my kind in front of me. But don't eat it when I'm not here. Why? Because I saw Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, the great Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, eat the kruv at this time of year. And therefore I could be somech on him. Whether I'm with him or without him. But I, you could eat in front of me. But you see the internal contradiction, right? That what he saw from Rabbi Yochanan, he told his son that he can't eat not in private and not in public. And what he saw from Shimon Bar Yochai, he was so mechan himself that at least when he's with him, his son could eat with him. So we, so why was it that he allowed him to eat the kruv when he was with him? So the Gemara says, my Rabbi Shimon, right? What is the halacha? Let's see. What's, what was this halacha of Shimon Bar Yochai that he was allowed to eat kruv? So the Tanya, he ate cabbage like this, Rabbi Shimon Omer in the Braisa, call Svichim Asurim. That all Svichim, they have the Gzeira, their Asur, Chutz Misvichi Kruv. That really cabbage is an exception. Because there's nothing like Kruv in all of the land. What does that mean? All the other plants have a time of year where they stop sprouting naturally. So in other words, uh, however, right, the, the Kruv is different. The kruv at any point of the year, it could just sprout from a seed spontaneously. So therefore, there is no time of year where you have to stop eating cabbage. But every other vegetable has a time of year where you can no longer eat it. Chacham, however, did not have this exception of the kruv. And they said all svichim uh, become usr at their appointed time, right, categorically. Okay. So now they, they agree to the general idea of svichim, but they just disagree with regards to kruv. And says, However, both of them hold like Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva hold in the Brisa. The Pasuk said, What are we going to do in the Shemitah? What are we going to eat? Right? We can't, we have nothing, we're not going to be able to gather our crops. So Rabbi Akiva says, We know already that they can't, right? That they can't put in the seeds. So what are they complaining about? What are they complaining about gathering? What are they gathering, right? In other words, you wouldn't complain about gathering the crop if you weren't planting. And certainly you're not allowed to plant. So what are you, what, what's the issue? So it says, Rabbi Akiva, Mikan lisfichin shein asurin. That's how we know that sfichin are asur. Because we know that they were complaining about it. And they couldn't have been complaining about the planting because that they already accepted that they can't do. Must be that they were complaining about, right? Kal Yisrael must have been complaining not about the planting, but about the sfichim. Right, this is like uh, the Arisa. The, the Gemara asks, therefore, but my kamiflagi. So what would be the machlokas of Shimon and the Chachanim? So my answer is Rabbanan savri gazrin sfiche kruv atu shar sfiche de alma. Right. In other words, Rabbanan hold again sfichim themselves. Right, is going to be not uh, the issue, and this becomes a very, very um, involved machlokas rishonim as to how to understand which part of this is the Arisa, which part of this is the Rabbanan, which part of this is a gazera. So the mainstream idea here is that certainly to to have right the, the part that's let we'll call it the, um, the at least the rabbanon if not the araisa is to gather sfichim after the appointed time when that vegetable is no longer growing spontaneously. So that's the issue. The issue is that kruv, which never stops growing spontaneously, really should be allowed. 
However, the question is, do you do a gazera on cabbage um, to the other vegetables that stopped growing? That was the Machlokas Rabbanon of Shimon Rechai, where Rabbanon hold that we're going to make the gazera, that we don't make that gazera. Okay, two dots, 13 lines up from the bottom. The Gemara didn't answer the steer, right? The Gemara didn't answer the internal steer with your Rabbi Barbarachana. Yeah, that's a good point, right? Comments pointing out that why did Rabbi Barbarachana uh, allow himself to be more of an authority? So I think I saw in the, uh, in the article note, although don't quote me on it, I think I saw that with regards to this issue, it has to be, he considered himself more of an authority. In other words, if Rabbi Barbarachana himself thought of himself as a bar hachi, so then his son could follow in his presence, right? But he didn't consider himself as much of an authority, right, on, on the fat issue of, of, of Yochanan. Very good. Okay, so what about Malcolm Shiyatsum Isham, Malcolm Shiholach Lasham? What's the idea here? 13 lines up to two dots. Bishlema. Haholach mi Malcolm Shiosin, the Malcolm Shainosin. Right? Again, this is addressed in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that you follow the Chumras of the place where you are. So I can understand if you go for a place, right, where Chumra, to a place where you don't have a Chumra, Nosin love Chumra and Malcolm Shiholach Lasham. Or a, pl- or a place where, um, rather, I'm sorry, if you go from, a, let's say, from Eretz Yisrael to Baltimore, Baltimore, they don't eat the fat. So I can understand, eat the, eat the star K, so don't eat the fat for, while you're visiting Baltimore. That's fine. And you don't get into machlokas. You don't have to walk around with your badats fat, right? And and, right? So in this case, he's talking about doing malacha. Right? The question of, uh, the Mishnah was doing malacha on Erev Pesach after Chatzos. So don't do malacha. What's wrong? Like, you have to do malacha? You're visiting anyway, so just don't do malacha. And then you won't be machlokas and there won't be a problem. And a makam she'enosim, the makam she'oisin. Right? But if you're going from a place where they don't do malacha to a place where they do malacha, al yeshane adam ipnea machlokas. A person there, on, on, on the other hand, shouldn't change because you don't have it machlokas. Venevid. Okay, so if a person is coming, should do work. So you say, Right, so in a place, right, where it's going to make a stink, right, where you're going to come from a place, so then you have a conundrum. Are you supposed to, right, so when you could just sit and be idle, so then you're not causing any machlokas. But when it's actually, you're going to be active, so then you have this conundrum. Are you going to cause, what, what trumps the, right, what's more important? Not causing machlokas or following the chumras of the place. So the Gemara says, Amar Abaye Aresha, that you're right. We only said the idea with regards to the first case, where you're going for a place where they work, the place where they don't work. And that's where you could keep the place of not working of, of the Makam Shehalach Lasham. Rava, however, says, no, it's categorical. This is what the Mishnah is saying. We don't, are, we aren't concerned about Machlokas. Why? You say that when a person sees somebody else being idle, he's going to think that there's an Islam. No. He's going to assume that he's just like one of the other people that are, uh, are idle in the might. In the marketplace, meaning any given day of the year, you have people who don't work, and therefore there's not going to cause a machlokas by being passive. Being passive is only going to be uh, construed as the fact that he's relaxing and he's taking Erev Yantiv off. So we'll stop here, two lines from the bottom of Nanala from our days.